Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now this podcast contains adult content Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. So welcome to uh, Mysterious Circumstances. Yeah, we're going to do some some heists, man, some robberies, some unsolved robberies out of France today. Joining me is actually somebody who I had the pleasure of hanging out with back in, was it, two, two Januaries ago. Was it two hard already? Yeah, that's hard to believe that was over a year ago, huh? But you were in it for the long haul with me. Oh, yeah, I got smashed. <laughs> Drink too yeah, much whiskey. Yeah. Justin was kind enough to let me crash until I sobered up enough to drive home. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time, though. It was fun. We shut down two bars? Two bars. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everybody else. The second else... one was nice. I like the second one better. Oh, so much better. So much yeah. chiller. Yeah, it but... was on that river, and there was maybe, what, like six, seven people in there or something, 10 people tops. That's how I like my bars. Half empty, late at night. Bartender's just like, I'm clean. I'm getting ready for all y'all to leave. So I don't talk to you. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. That's how it was, too. We just sat there and bullshitted forever. Tell everybody who you are and what your podcast is. I'm Courtney. I'm the host of the Cult of Domesticity. It's a history and true crime podcast. And so I've covered everything from Alexander the Great. To the Kirtland cult murders, to let me see what's the latest one will be uh, Georgia Tan, which she had a black market adoption scheme out of Tennessee. So, mm-hmm. and I have different guest co hosts who come on all the time. So, you never know who's going to be joining the cult. Well, and that's a good thing. My listeners, I do a lot of history stuff too. So, yeah, for those who have not checked out her show, go check it out. It's a it's a good one, and Courtney's cool as shit. Like I said, I've had the opportunity to hung out, hang out with her and close down a couple bars that night. You know, we've are also already been talking for like two hours, guys. <laughs> We're yeah, thoroughly true. into that's our beers <laughs> for real. Yeah, definitely. And what a tell everybody what you're drinking over there. I am drinking a beer from work. So if you're in Cincinnati, check out High Grain Brewing. But this is a, a coffee oatmeal stout. And it is really delicious. I hadn't tried it before. I pretended when people asked me. <laughs> I sold it very well. I had never I'm tasted sure it. Did. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt that you did. I'm drinking Keystone. Like, I'm not fancy. Drink Keystone Light over here. Getting ready, you know. I had to stock up for the apocalypse and can't really turn down 15 bucks for a 30 pack. Gotta no. keep it blue collar. Gotta keep it blue collar. Yeah. Yeah, I only had this because I had to pick up a paycheck and... They let us grocery shop 
in the walk-in freezer or walk-in cooler and then i was planning on getting beer anyways because i didn't have any it works out and, pretty well yeah when your boss is nice enough to say here have a beer <laughs> have a 32 ounce beer <laughs> here take a bunch of free alcohol just <laughs> go home and have it it'll be fine yeah go home i don't know when i'll see you next here you go some beer good times oh yeah we're here to talk about heists specifically yes. really fun heists <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a light in the mood a little bit. I've never done a heist episode or I haven't either. either. So I figured it would be something pretty fun and pretty awesome. And uh yeah, we're talking about the termites robbery, and there will be some French involved, as my listeners know. I suck at French pronunciation. I studied Spanish and I normally just use French to piss off, piss off my former co host Ashley. So there might be some <laughs> happening. I uh, I will screw some things up more than likely, but for the most part, I have a grip on it. I guess we'll see. I'm sure I'll get playing a hate mail if I mess some stuff up. So the okay. first heist, because yes, I said first there are multiple. Yes, they're very is. good at their jobs. Very and good. <laughs> they're very good in that we don't have that much information on each heist, but. The information we do have is really interesting. So March 27th, 2010 in Paris, they discovered millions of pounds of, you know, cash, jewelry and everything had actually been taken from a Paris bank because get this. They didn't come in through the front door. No, they didn't come in through the back door. They dug a tunnel into the vaults and then proceeded to empty over around 200 private safes, you know. A light Tuesday. This is at a uh, Credit Leone's branch no in the up- No S. <laughs> Leone. Leone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is in the area of Avenue de l'Opere. Loper. Loper. <laughs> Avenue de l'Opere. I'm just making it sound. I'm trying to make it sound <laughs> French. <laughs> That's my problem. <laughs> so they actually began digging from a neighboring cellar so they're next door to the bank the weekend before the heist so this was a week-long journey of you know i'm assuming spoons but probably not spoons to just dig out a tunnel i would like to think they use spoons right that'd be cool yeah so many spoons though because i'm assuming with paris soil and how much stuff is there they probably found some strange things. Oh, I bet they did. Yeah, it was like a it was like scenes like right out of a movie too. And the police referred to them as the termites. Like she had said, you know, they broke through from a next door cellar. And the bank that they chose was closed at the time for refurbishment. So and smart. The de- they definitely once we get to the end of this, you guys are gonna realize like there had to have been somebody inside somewhere that helped them out but mm-hmm. yeah one of the detectives said it was meticulously planned the criminals are ice cool and they had hit other banks in the city they overpowered a guard and sent and spent a leisurely time breaking open and emptying all the boxes that's my favorite thing. Yeah. A leisurely time, you know, just robbing a even, bank. They weren't even in a hurry, man. Um, once they left, they proceeded to set fire to the vault, ridding it of forensic evidence. As you know, it's very difficult to get evidence from there. The detective said, quote, the whole thing was meticulous plan. The criminals were ice cool, determined. They spent at least seven hours in the vault, end quote. Yeah. So seven hours. Not in a hurry. <laughs> they were they were chilling sipping champagne you know rocking it out hanging out smoking cigarettes and drinking wine yeah and then they set fire to everything so they're like we could have left a cigarette you won't know it's burned up now thank you bye-bye true story yeah in april of 2010 the following month in paris again was a second robbery and uh this raid came at bnp paribas I'm not even sure how I didn't look up how to pronounce that one. It was about five miles from the from the credit Leone, which was targeted the weekend before. Police 
were convinced that the robberies were both connected. They were the same gang. They used pickaxes, drills, and flamethrowers to break into these banks, man. When I break into a bank, I think first thing I need to bring, flamethrower. If you're not using a flamethrower, you're not doing it right. So a spokesman of uh, PNB said, quote, the gang aborted the robbery and started a fire to destroy evidence. They set off an alarm and alerted the police. They had not managed to open the safety deposit boxes, end quote. And so that means basically they got nothing out of this one. You set fire to everything and got nothing. But they had already started a tunnel from the service station of the nearby metro. So, you know, swipe your metro card, go in your secret tunnel, rob a bank, get back on the metro. Easy. The previous raid had actually been described as France's crime of the century. That's why they they pinned them together because of the fires and the tunneling aspects. So they're like, okay, these are the same people. Again, in April of 2010, there's a third robbery. And this is, again, suspected to be the termite gang. They attempted to dig their way into a French bank using a pneumatic drill over the course of this weekend. And it was, like I had mentioned, the third attack of a bank within, I don't know, what was about five-week period. Yeah. And the, uh, the gang dug a tunnel into the bank from a nearby underground station. And they did it in the early morning hours. And they also failed again to seize any cash or valuables. So because of this tunneling aspect, they're trying, like the police are trying to figure out, okay, where did they learn this from? And the French media actually were like, ah, we remember something from our history. It's the Spaganari affair, which Albert Spaganari had mastermind this huge heist, which we'll talk about at the end. 30 years before in Nice. So there is a history in France of tunneling to steal things. So they're like, oh, clearly they're learning from that. So this third robbery, they also managed to tunnel into a vault of the branch of the French bank Société Générale. I'm I'm going with Spanish. That's where my pronunciation is. I was going to say. No, we're fine with that. That's fine. (laughs) We're going to go with Spanish pronunciation. Um, They used a bank holiday and spent two days and nights inside before getting away. And so it ends up being, and the article I got this from was in pounds, so six million pounds. So they're doing pretty great in this like five months Mm -hmm. period. They hit two banks in one time. They also failed to get into the bank's strong room. So they are not getting in, they're getting into the safe, but they're not getting into like the room where all the mini safes are where all people keep their valuables so they were like screw this set fire and left so they're smart when they did set that fire it set off the fire alarms which alerted the police and then they ended up arriving at the scene at about 4 a.m and the gang had left the pneumatic drill and uh, a bunch of digging equipment they basically just when they set fire they just took off And detectives in France, they nicknamed them the termites, you know, because they were digging through the walls of all of these financial institutions. Like they were, you know, going through sewers, they were going through cellars and just digging all the way through. And the gang had succeeded in almost completely drilling through the bank wall, which is 50 centimeters thick when they had eventually set off the alarm oh this is the first bank that week and they tried to get through so there's two banks Mm -hmm. so they got one successfully the other one they were almost done so the second bank i mean 50 centimeters isn't that far like left so you've got one bank you've already got in the second bank you're so Mm -hmm. close you set off the alarm when the police got there like one bank's on fire this one they had basically created an explosion underground Through a gas pipe because they hit the gas pipe, which, as most people know, (laughs) not a great idea. The spokesman was really happy for the Paris police that they didn't get to the safety deposit boxes because that's where the first crime where they got all the money in uh, Credit Lyonnais, 
they got 200 private safety deposit boxes. And as anybody knows, that's where most people keep their secure valuables. So we really don't know what was in there. So they were thrilled that they didn't get into those because insured things are in there, but also some probably not uninsured quote unquote things. So another branch of uh, the case de Parnia in Paris suburb was robbed in a similar fashion, and that was over uh, a New Year's Eve. Police said that this robbery had striking similarities to another bank that was undergoing construction work in the suburb of uh, Denis. Uh, Saint, yeah, Saint Saint Denis, in September, where 117 safe deposit boxes were emptied by the thieves. And uh, the B&P, they issued a statement and uh, they said that nothing had been stolen and no damage had been caused during the break-in. But a spokesman said, quote, there was no damage and no theft in the safe deposit boxes. The attempted theft was a failure. But to be honest with you, I mean, they've gotten enough by this point in time. They're not exactly doing bad right now. No, and it seems like a lot of the banks are trying to save face because they're just getting money at this point. Like the past, like these third robberies, like the third series of robberies, they're not getting to the safety deposit boxes. They're just getting cash. So the bank can kind of save face and be like, oh, no no damage. Nothing's happened. They failed and they've Mm -hmm. still gotten some cash. They just haven't gotten the real valuables. I really enjoy it. So these are like more tangential connections that have occurred outside of Paris and around the world that they've Mm. connected to the termites. So let me tell you about one of the coolest sponsors ever, AMC Network's Shudder. It's a premium streaming video service super serving members with the best selection in genre entertainment, covering horror, thrillers, and the supernatural. Shudder's expanding library of film, TV series, and originals is available on most streaming devices in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Ireland, and Germany. You can stream all that kind of stuff for only $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year, and Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment, and it is known as the Netflix of horror. You can stream it on iPhones, iPad, Apple TV, Xbox One, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, Android devices, literally almost anything. I'm an Android guy, always will be. I got the app downloaded on my phone and watch it right off of there. Shudder features the best movie, One Cut of the Dead, and the best horror movie of 2019, Tigers Are Not Afraid, and that's according to Rotten Tomatoes. You'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all of your favorite devices. They have a unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, blockbuster hits, including the hit Creepshow TV series, which was produced by Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. And personally, I watched it. It's freaking awesome. You guys would love it. The coolest thing about Shudder is it's super easy to stream. Like I said, you can download an app straight to your phone. You can stream it online. One of my favorite shows on there, like I've raved and ranted about several times now, is The Discovery of Witches. There's so many good things on there that you just, I mean, there is literally something on there for everybody. There's a huge international library. There's a range of genres. There's movies, TV shows like the old slasher flicks. For 30 days free, go to Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com. Use the promo code MCPODCAST. You get 30 days free. You can check it out without having to worry about anything. You can get started streaming in the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. They have like The Creep Show, which is a Shudder original. You have Tigers Are Not Afraid, which is a Shudder exclusive. You have Horror Noir, which is a Shudder original documentary. You have Lizzie. You have Mandy. You have horror comedies, classic slashers. Pretty much anybody can find something they like. So, again... Go to Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com. You get 30 days for free. Use the promo code MCPODCAST for that. Check it out. You have nothing to lose right now. So let me know how much you like it. 
So in 2013, there was a wine robbery. The robbers were known to have good taste, high-performance drills, and inside knowledge. And they pissed off all of France's most prestigious restaurant owners. Because why? (laughs) Instead of coming in through the windows, you know, they burrowed into the cellar in search of these fine wines. And it's now known as the termite method. And that's why they connected it. They're like, oh, these are clearly the termite ters. Uh, yeah, they made off with like several dozen excellent bottles. And they were, each bottle was worth about 1,500 pounds. And they were from the boutique in central Paris, which was run by a huge major chef in that area. And the gangs usually get into the cellar of a building that is undergoing renovation work. Like that's kind of their thing. During that year, I mean, they hit everything from wine to safety deposit boxes, perfume, jewels for coats, upsurged everything. Like, they mm-hmm. really, like, took it to the next level to pretty much steal anything that they could that was worth money. The raid on the restaurant owned by Mr. Robichon, uh freaked out all the fancy wine people. And what happened was the police determined that when the gang drilled a hole in the cellar wall it actually turned off the alarm so this time instead of the like unlike a bank they're expecting people to come in the doors when they drilled the hole into the wall it somehow disengaged the alarm where it would not affect them and it wouldn't alert police and they were able to sneak into the cellar take the wine without being noticed as police said they knew what they were looking for so they knew what was in the cellar so they had to have an inside person And, quote, they didn't stumble upon this by chance, end quote. Yeah, and then Mr. Robichon, he would not identify the bottles that had been removed, but said they included rare and esteemed vintages from France's most illustrious domains. He said, uh, quote, they had to be well-informed because they drilled a hole right by the cupboard where the wines were stacked, end quote. And then a police source said, uh, we are dealing with several very well-organized teams that are perfectly aware of the layout of the places they are targeting. They master the technique for drilling a hole in a wall, a floor, or a safety box. Perhaps they are former building workers, end end quote. And I wouldn't be far off from that, too. Like, they had to have known something. The placement of where they dig is too secure like they are certain and most people even if you get maps you don't really know exactly like this one they knew exactly how to do it where they could take the bottles without setting off the alarm they like disengaged the alarm so it's Mm -hmm. crazy le figaro uh newspaper determined that this was the return of the termites so they had been gone since 2010 they come back mm-hmm. in 2013, steal wine, all these luxury goods. And really, Paris restaurants were like, checkmate, let's up our underground securities. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's like, we got these assholes out here stealing all our booze, man. And, and it's like, if, and it's worth money, though, you know? Fancy wine is worth money until it turns into vinegar. So you got you got that sweet spot. So yeah. at Laurent which is a fancy establishment. They had its cellars with 25,000 guys, 25,000. And this time period, if I had 25,000 bottles of wine, I'm going to have a good time. They were protected by a security guard, an alarm and a wire mesh grill. That's intense. On top of it, I'm going to call him flip it, Felipe B. Cause that last name is very intense. That's very, very intense <laughs> and long. And French. Uh, He was the wine waiter said he would always place bottles on the rack in the cellar, meaning they had to. So they had to move them one by one. And it's they basically did it that way. So you couldn't just take a crate of it anymore. You had to like Mm -hmm. to get the one you need. You had to go dig through the racks. And I was that is the cleverest. Like we're going to make you make take your time to get the bottles you want. You want this one? You have to now remove 20 bottles of wine to get that one. Yeah, and at one restaurant, they had six wine cellars, which contained 60,000 bottles of wine. That's six zero, 60,000 bottles of wine, right? 
So one of these bottles of wine was an 1846 Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. And it was that one bottle alone was worth 15,000 pounds. So they're protected. They, this shit was protected by steel doors, an electronic surveillance system, and a motion detector. Dude, they started locking their wine up in like steel safes and shit. My question <laughs> is who is buying a $15,000 pound, like our 15,000 pound bottle of wine? <laughs> Like if it I better had a million bucks, I'd fucking buy the hell out of it, man. It's got to be. Does it good. have gold in it? Uh, my uncle sells wine. Fancy wine is just fancy wine. It's That's not better it than cheap that. ass wine. I've pissed him off when he brought Pope wine to Christmas. Honestly, like my favorite wine is called a Malvasia. It's a sweet mm. red from Italy. Do the shit. I mean, you can find it anywhere from like twelve to eighteen bucks a bottle. Probably one of the best wines you'll ever drink. I mean, it t- tastes like almost like like Welch Welch's grape juice, but it gets you drunk. It's pretty I, awesome wine. I buy Aldi wine or wine that's oh, on sale. Aldi wine thing. is like four dollars. I'm on a budget, guys. One of the one of the roughest wines I ever drank was a shit called Nighthawk. It was in a fucking box. Oh man, I mean, I got drunk as shit of that stuff. I actually still got the box with a couple glasses still in my fridge because I'm just not on that level. Like, I got drunk off of it one night, and the next day I was hurting pretty bad. You need to already get drunk and then finish it off with that and then chug a gallon of Pedialyte. Pedialyte actually does work a lot better than Gatorade or anything. I'll give you my my friend from rugby's best hangover cure, and I watched it save her from alcohol poisoning. That's how good this is. You buy a bottle of Pedialyte, you drink half of it, you fill it all the way up, you drink the rest of it, or you drink another half of it, you fill it up, you drink, you just keep doing that until it's no longer Pedialyte, and you don't have alcohol poisoning anymore. <laughs> Life lessons, guys. Well, you know, it's 2013. You gotta lay low for a bit. Where in the world are we gonna hit next? This is a Carmen Sandiego-esque group. Let's go Asia. They went to yep. the Philippines, guys. Which... In 2018, I would not recommend, but for doing criminal things. So in Imma City, there were two robbery suspects killed in a shootout with patrolling law enforcement at a gasoline station in Bangaray, San Juan at dawn on a Wednesday. The superior superintendent police officer basically determined that they were near the site. They noticed the two it's two attendants waving at the police. And they're like, hey, there's been a robbery incident. The police officer said PIB, which I'm guessing is the federal police force, and the city cops then began conducting surveillance operations on the alleged presence of members of the notorious quote-unquote termite gang who were reported to be operating in some commercial buildings in the area. So basically they're like, these people are plotting some shit right now. (laughs) Likely, yeah. The cops, they started chasing the two suspects, and they left uh, on two motorcycles. But the suspects, they had handguns. They started firing at the cops who were chasing him. And then the cops ended up, you know, shooting back, and they killed them in the process. The suspects who died, they remained unidentified at the time that this press release came out. And for those of you who do not know, like... This information, it's, you know, scattered about, but it sucks because, like, any updates or anything like that, like, they're not in English, you know? <laughs> A lot of the really good articles are not in English, and it's like, ah, oh, shit, okay. That Yeah, that's why it sometimes seems like we're a little bit disjointed, is because we're grabbing as much information that is in English. Yeah, the police ended up recovering two thirty-eight caliber guns which they were they were homemade improvised guns they you know they were revolvers with ammunition they had three cartridges of nine millimeter they had a thousand dollars cash and then their getaway motorcycles and i believe that's a thousand dollars in filipino cash i don't remember what the currency is in the philippines so they took the cadavers of the two suspects back to the herald funeral homes in tres materes city for you know proper forensics and dealing with the dad 
Meanwhile, the provincial police commander for that city, they intensified their checkpoint operations. They were really looking at lawless elements in the region because they had an, a gun ban and they were monitoring. Really, they just shut down the area. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we're going to shut this down. We're going to make sure we get these guys on top of it. They took the confiscated guns to the provincial headquarters to kind of figure out what's going on because they're also having elections at this time. So so he also, because they had these guns confiscated and they were like homemade guns that the gang had, they had 33 village chiefs from the general Trias city voluntarily res- uh, surrender their respective firearms for safekeeping as well. So like that's how heightened the tension is when they're shooting out these suspected termite gang members that they didn't get to compete complete their heist so they were like deuces and they headed where yeah they headed to manila in 2019 is where they pop up again a couple place gets robbed policemen said the robbers entered a drainage canal from where they bore a hole that that broke through the concrete flooring of the cash department of this bank the investigators learned from the bank management that the bank has no security guard at the time of this happening and uh, the line of closed circuit TV camera was cut. A security guard was only assigned during the day while the CCTV was was off overnight. So investigators discovered that the suspects had cut the line of the alarm in the CCTV before the robbery. And then, you know, they later ended up recovering the the hardware that was used, well, that they suspect was used by the suspects who did rob the bank. You know, these guys, I mean, thinking about it, going from Paris, where it's a lot more sophisticated, mm-hmm. to the Philippines is actually kind of smart because you've already honed your skills and security's a little more lax there. So you can just be like, oh, cool. Just peace out. Pretty just much. Build your little nest egg. So for me, true crime, mysteries, all that good stuff is my passion, but I do need an occasional break. When I feel like a mental palate cleanser, my go-to refresher is Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a casual game anybody can play, but it is made for adults. It's super fun. It's super awesome. You can spend as much or as little time as you like on the game. Within the first couple days I started playing it, I almost made it to level 100. Like That's how fun it is, and you just want to keep going and going. Because once you get a routine, you get a rhythm down, you just go. I personally like to play in my off time when I'm at break at work. Especially when I want to get my mind off of uh, true crime and some of the other things that I talk about. The visual aspects of this game are great too. It's a bunch of bright colors. It's got a great design. I mean, you just use it right there on your phone. For me personally, it's the puzzles. That's what I come back for. And the characters in these games too are these cute little freaking bugs. You know, and then there's slugs as well. The coolest part is that it updates the game monthly with new levels, new events... It's uh, it's unlike any other puzzle game out there. It just never gets old, right? Best Fiends treats the game like a service for their players. Another cool thing, too, is that it does not require the internet for you to play it. You can, Which means you can play it while you're traveling. You play anywhere, planes, trains, and you just sit there and collect the characters. You keep on going, and you use these characters to strategically get to the next level. So if you want to engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters, trust me, with over 100 million downloads, it's a five-star rated mobile puzzle game that is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. So I know I've been teasing it, but let's talk about Albert Speganari. Yes. I feel like that was Italian, but let's just go with it. He actually worked in a photography studio in Nice in 1978. He, at this time, plotted to rob the Societe Generale Bank. And he was like, you know what? I can't do this by myself. So he enlisted a gang in order to dig a 25 foot, 25 feet of tunnel between the vault and the city sewers, which is insane to think about. He heard that the sewers were close to the vault. He found out that they were close. So he like looked at maps and I'm assuming and such. And he was like, you know what? 
it's easier to do it this way. And that's why he hired the gang to get information. He then rents a box at the bank vault for himself. And he, I just love this. He put a large alarm clock in the vault. So he would set it to ring at night to like basically check for any acoustic or seismic detection gear, which is so brilliant. He's just like, you know what? If you're it actually is super smart, because <laughs> if you're gonna set off an alarm, that kind of would be the way is the vibrations. And mm-hmm. he's like, I got this vault. I got this little safety deposit box. Put the thing there, and if they call me, I know that it, they have mm-hmm. that alarm. Yeah, he he uh, set that alarm or whatever, and he found out that there's no alarms protecting the vault like whatsoever because it was considered to be impenetrable. So the the door wall was extremely thick and there was no no way to access the other walls or at least not any obvious way. So he uh contacted like all these professional gangsters from uh Marseille. So and yeah. uh yeah, they didn't even want to participate in the robbery. They're like, rude. "Nah, man. They're like, "Nah, we're not going to do that shit." But uh, they suspect that his accomplices that he used were probably recruited through old, like, uh, OAS friends that he had. Basically old, good old wartime friends. So they spent their time getting down to the sewers, two months digging an eight meter long, so 26 feet tunnel from the sewer to the vault floor. And how does no one notice a bunch of dudes going down into the sewer? (laughs) Yeah, unless they were doing work at the time. Good costuming never goes amiss. Exactly. Throw on that road worker vest and you're good to go. Some high-vis, everyone thinks you're just part of the city. Exactly. So, Spaganari was really careful during this dig because they worked long hours continuously drilling. He was like, no coffee, no alcohol, which this is France in the 70s. And to get at least 10 hours of sleep every shift. To avoid danger to the mission. So basically he's like, I don't want any accidents. I want you all to be healthy and what looked after while you're in this sewer. On July 16th, 1976, it was a a long weekend because of a holiday and his gang broke into the, the actual vault itself. And they opened up 400 safety deposit boxes. And stole an estimated 30 to 100 million francs worth of money, securities, and valuables. And it was considered, at the time, the largest heist in the history of bank robberies. So impressive. Cause, and that's it why, really like, <laughs> stealing from safety deposits is so key because, one... A lot of people don't cite what's in their safety deposit box. That's your mm-hmm. liberty to put whatever you want in there. So he was like, we don't know how much they took because some people have stuff in there they're not telling you about. Exactly. <laughs> they're not, no matter how nicely you ask, they're not telling you. So according to some, Spaganari would uh, bring his men a meal, included wine and pate, and they sat down in the vault to have a picnic lunch while they're robbing it. Yeah. So French. So French. <laughs> yeah, they spent hours picking through all these safety deposit boxes like they took their time. And before they left, which was on the 20th of July, they left a message on the walls of the vault. In English, it said, without weapons, hatred, or violence. And then a few months later, police found Spaghetti and elicited pretty much a confession out of him. It's so crazy. Like, they harmed no one. That's what I, I'm like kind of okay yeah. with these because no one's hurt. Yeah. It's just property. <laughs> like the sucky thing is your property stolen, but they do not kill or maim or harm anyone. They're just like, cool. We're going to take this and bounce during the court hearing. Spagari distracted the judge leaped out of a window, <laughs> not, not shitting you onto a waiting motorcycle. Like, yep. This is a movie. It has actually been made into a movie. He was never caught again, even though he wrote a book about the heist and then wrote two other books and gave a broadcast interview. However, (laughs) they never got the cash. (laughs) Like, none of the spoils were ever caught. So even of the gang, they never got anybody else, really. And he died in 1989. 
So like there's this huge history of tunneling heists in France and I kind of love it. I'm kind of eager to know where the hell he put all of it, whether he sold it off. That's the thing. Like nothing was ever found. So it's like, where did all of it go? Like what happened to all of it? But I mean, dude, during a court hearing, the guy jumps out a window and shit and there's like a motorcycle down there waiting and he just like rides off totally free. I don't know why, but that's kind of badass. It's so badass. Apparently he went to Argentina and got some plastic surgery so he could come back to France to visit his mom and his wife. It's the most French thing I've ever heard of. (laughs) Hey, man, gotta gotta come back and visit the fam, you know? So I think Spaganari kind of gave a good example of, you know, how to commit these tunnel heists and this new gang just perfected it to, like, perfection. They perfected the shit out of it. And they had to have gotten... I don't think they got the knowledge from him directly, but just like his, uh, the way that he did it. I think the way he did it was so publicized and the mm-hmm. fact that he wrote what three books, yeah. you know what I mean? Somebody was like, this is fucking foolproof. Like we could do this too. And there was a movie. So like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like an ocean. It's 11. You're like, do you want to tell us how to do it? Cause we got that. He was only caught because there was like a hint or they they interrogated someone and they gave him up. But Mm -hmm. what if the new gang theory, I just came up with this. The new gang is like the second generation of like his buddies. It could be honestly like their kids or some shit because the time frame would work. Because yeah, like what he died in 89. This happened in 70. So they'd be in their 40s or even their grandkids. Like, they all just yeah. perfected it, just chill. Well, think about it. They got a couple million francs. They could chill for a generation. They really, <laughs> really good. Could. This is before, yeah, this is before they were on the Euro. So, you know, they just chill and keep sliding some cash into their bank like a paycheck. Pretty fucking much, yeah. I just, I mean, the fact that they went, we went from Paris. When we started this, I knew of the Paris ones. And then all of a yeah. sudden they're like, and they're in the Philippines? And you're like, yeah. Same methods used in everything, except it's like they, because if they stole that much money, let's say they sold it on the black market. Let's say you take a million dollars to the Philippines or something like that. You automatically have an exchange rate to where you're living pretty damn good. You know what I mean? You can buy your own goddamn island just chilling on there. You probably living your could, best yeah. life. I'm not yeah, mad about it. Yeah. They didn't hurt anybody. You know. We get mad about a lot of these crimes, but they, they made, it seems like they made sure like alarm goes off, something goes wrong. They get out. Nobody's hurt. You can't get mad at that kind of crime. And like the one that he left, the one guy, they left that note on the damn vault walls, like without (laughs) weapons, hatred or violence. It's like, well played, man. Well played. That's what makes me think it's like a family thing. Cause could very well be. It feels like most criminals on that kind of level, yeah, you don't want to have violence, but you also mm-hmm. don't want to have witnesses. And Exactly, yeah. This one seems very much like, we got our way in, we got our way out, we good. I just want to know, how awful is it digging those tunnels? For them to, it's probably a lot more awful than, uh, you know, sitting in a bank vault for a couple days, nitpicking through every single safety deposit box in there. Yeah, because I mean, suck tunneling through all that shit. What is it? Uh, the first, the seventies one, Spaganaris. They don't say how long they spent in the vaults, but the other ones they spent seven to eight hours. Oh yeah, that's a lo- that seems a lot quicker to go through all the vaults. So you have to have some sort of key trick, key thing to get all yeah. those open. Because yeah, they got well like- on the the one they were in because it was a holiday. They they suspect they broke in on the 16th and uh they left on the 20th hard telling how long they were even in there they could have been in there a couple damn days you know just hanging out literally nitpicking through every single safety deposit box okay this is my if i was going to do this i would hit all the ones that were kind of easy first get all Mm -hmm. the easy stuff so if you have start getting that out and some of the the safety deposit boxes if they were difficult then it gives you time. You know, you at least got some cash out. If you have to leave, you're good. The harder ones, you can spend your time. So think about it. Probably day one, get all the ones if they're kind of easy, kind of old, kind of broken. Take your time. Take a day. 
work on the harder ones, mm -hmm. have a snack, take a nap. Yeah. And obviously they had what at one point in time, they had a picnic, you know, in the vault. So, I mean, they brought food with them and shit. Yeah. I think that's according to Spaganari who said he brought them wine and pate, which I mean, you're French. Of course you're bringing wine and pate. Like, yeah, I mean, your vault picnic. where do you like, think all the money went? I don't know, man. I really don't know. I want to say that any kind of, I think they would aim for more cash than anything because like black market value of jewelry or anything like that, that they would steal would be of less value. Mm -hmm. So I don't know anything cash related. They wouldn't hang on to jewels or, or anything like that. They would, they would sell it, you know, underground and, you know, it's at a fraction of the cost that it's actually worth because it's dirty. But yeah. I I don't know, man. Like nothing was ever found, so there might be a huge bundle of cash somewhere. That's the hard thing is like, how do you get rid of? That's what they say. Like, cash is easier to get rid of, especially at that time because you had to have the numbers, the sequential numbers mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't, you could just put it in. And if you did it slowly enough, like it's a paycheck or something, you're good. Yeah. I wonder if they yeah. just kept the jewels. Like, you just put them in another safety deposit box. And just chill them there, like, just chill them for a little bit and then sell them in a different country? Probably could, yeah. Man, but I'm giving people... smart about it. I'm giving people too many ideas. I We're know, gonna... right? <laughs> I have not well, stolen anything, preface. And, like, let's keep in mind, that, like, the termite gang, that wasn't very long ago. 2010? Know? What was... No, that couldn't have been me. I was still in high school. <laughs> it was almost done, but I was still in high school. It was not me. I was in Bumblefuck, Ohio. Oh, yeah. You love <laughs> Ohio. We know you do. I'm hit or miss on the state, honestly. Yeah, me too. That's because you your neighbor's to it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> your guys' road construction sucks, too. Constantly. Yes, we know. It's always hap It's always happening. I forgot about it when I lived out west, and then I came back to Ohio, and I was like, oh, y'all here for a vengeance. Cool. Thanks. It's really yep. just Columbus. Columbus is the hellhole of Ohio construction, because some part of it is always on construction. You just want to punch everyone around you. Like, get out of your car and just start punching other people's cars. But I'd like to see yeah. you do that sometime. After <laughs> have... your lockdown, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't want... Lockdown, people don't realize lockdown means the police are involved. So if you go mm -hmm. out, cops can return you to your home. Like, oh, yeah. Just cough on them. They'll leave you alone. <laughs> I mean, I have been serving within the past two weeks. So who knows? I could be infectious. You could be. You I could be. I could know. cough on someone. I've interacted with so many people when I was serving because I worked six days. Who knows? But, yeah. <laughs> we're ha Guys, we're having fun in this coronavirus time we're living our best life learning about heists and drinking beer yeah how's and that beer going for you over there you seem a little but you're kind of stuttering towards the end there <laughs> that's because i drank 32 ounces of a stout that's fair that's fair <laughs> that's why i was stuttering i got i i was smart and i ate before second train ration that food Oh, I have a shit ton of food. I got steaks now, man. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Pretty pretty good deal there. I got four New York strips from work. I was I've never cooked a steak before. I got a perfect Are you shitting medium. me right now. I don't buy steaks because I'm poor. Um, so I go home and eat my parents' steaks and my dad oh, cooks but, them. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's understandable, yeah. Don't want I, screw, don't want you to screw it up. <laughs> um no, I think his there's certain things my dad doesn't let me do. Uh, run the snowblower, because I'll cut my hand off. Probably <laughs> true. Probably start the grill, because this is a gas grill, and he's never taught me how to do that, so I'd probably blow myself up. So that's why I don't grill. <laughs> so I've never cooked a steak. He's He also gave me a mallet when he first gave me uh, a toolbox, and he goes, you're not allowed to hammer things with this, but you don't have a hammer. And I just <laughs> stared at him, and I was like, well, then what's the point? So that's my one weapon in my apartment is I have a, a pretty heavy duty mallet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if it comes to the purge, you're pretty much done. I'm going to Heather's. Fuck that. They have guns. <laughs> I'll make them snacks. 
Like it's cool. Her there you go. Like yeah, me. it's like I'll bring stout and make snacks. It's fine. Yeah, no. I'll bring Jason, my four New York strips. <laughs> I'll bring my snacks. I have a full fridge. Let's go. Heather probably will enjoy it because she won't have to cook. She also has, I love her, but that girl has no kitchen appliances. I tried to bake there once. It was real interesting. <laughs> oh, that is outstanding. She didn't have baking. I think she didn't have baking powder or baking soda or something. And we were trying to make brownies. I was just like, girl, how do you not have this? I don't know. I can see that it was, already. I don't know. Yeah. Then she shaked she, her head. Yeah, we had to use egg whites. They did not turn out or as well as they should have. They were supposed to be Guinness brownies, I believe. Which uh, are delicious. Yeah. And never even heard of them. It's basically you put Guinness in brownies. It's pretty delicious. Yeah, I'd probably try them. They're very delicious. I've made them I'm a couple a times. Guinness fan, with the exception of Irish car bombs. I'm a good fan of Irish car bombs in the right situation. Mm-hmm. I'll drink the shit out of those things. St. Patty's Day, if you're making me take a shot, and the option is really, I will take most shots except for tequila. I don't know. If I get a lime or something, I'll take a shot of tequila. But other than that, it tastes like shit. I don't understand the enjoyment some people get out of it. It makes me sick. I'm not, no. Oh, yeah. Some nice bourbon on the rocks. I got bitter so I can make myself uh, an old-fashioned. I'm I'm living my best life in this quarantine life. Apparently you are. <laughs> so why don't you tell everybody where they can find your podcast and follow you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me, the Cult of Domesticity, on all podcatchers. Facebook and Twitter at Domestic Podcast, Instagram at The Cult of Domesticity. If you're learning, interested in learning how to cook, I do cook with me so you can watch me try recipes basically. And it's pretty fun. So if you're bored in this quarantine, I'll probably be doing a lot because I'm on lockdown and I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess. Uh, Cheers to cheers. quarantine life. For real. I'm not there yet, but probably will be by next weekend, I'm sure. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later.